Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This Podcast. All right, fact check this podcast, and today I wanted to talk about a article that is coming out in the Atlantic uh, Magazine, December edition. Um, it's been up, it, it came out this week. It's an article by Ann Applebaum titled, Autocracy is Winning. And the original title of this article was, The Bad Guys Are Winning. And they made her change it because that doesn't paint uh, the narrative properly. So what I wanted to start out with is a review of Autocracy is Winning, done by The Week. And, and I'm just going to read the whole thing. It's pretty, pretty short, so we're just going to jump right into it. The outdated thinking confusing our talk about autocracy. This week's best long read is undeniably Ann Applebaum's cover story from the December issue of The Atlantic, The Bad Guys Are Winning. Applebaum is an accomplished historian of Soviet Soviet totalitarianism, and she lives in Poland, so her frequent writings on the subject of threats to democracy carry weight. Unlike many U.S.-based journalists in this beat, She knows the languages and political cultures of Central and Eastern Europe, where democratic backsliding has been concentrated in in recent years. Though putting it in that way is somewhat misleading, while Applebaum begins her essay by focusing on Alexander Lushkensko, the Belarusian dictator who defied election results and massive protests to keep himself in power in 2020, She moves far beyond her own neighborhood to examine parallel and mutually reinforcing trends in China, Turkey, Venezuela, and many other countries around the world, including within the countries of the Democratic West. Talking about ours here. What the nation's Applebaum considers to have in common is their participation in what she uh, evocatively dubs Autocracy Incorporated. As she puts it, autocracies in 2021 are run not by one bad guy, but by sophisticated networks composed of uh, kleptocratic financial structures, security services, military, police, paramilitary groups, surveillance, and professional propagandists who use social media to spread the message about the weakness of democracy. Anyone who cares about the fate of democracy in the world should read Applebaum's essay and ponder its troubling message, but that doesn't mean we should read it uncritically. During the Cold War, many foreign policy analysts came to associate American interests with spreading American values and democratic institutions around the world. That made considerable sense when we were confronting a unified 
coordinated front of ideological opposition to liberal democracy in the form of Soviet communism. But the idea was less persuasive when former George President George W. Bush updated it for the era of the global war on terror, proclaiming in his second inaugural address that America's vital interests and our deepest beliefs are now one. This was an oversimplification that spawned a lot of sloppy thinking and policymaking during his own presidency and that of his successor. I find it interesting that they like to, uh, anytime they do criticize Obama, because that's exactly what that means. Uh, that shaping of mistakes in policymaking for George W. Bush, who they call out by name, and his successor. Whenever they talk about Obama, they make sure they don't actually talk about Obama because you cannot say anything bad about him or his presidency or anything and still maintain any level of credibility within mainstream media. So, so they, they dance around it very nicely. <clears throat> and actually, I wanted to touch on it while we're, while we're at this part because I'm, I'm not going to go through a whole lot of Ann Applebaum's actual article. It is very long, um, and if you go to the Atlantic right now, you can you can listen to it for free. Uh, it's about an hour listen, so it's like any you know about like any other podcast. Uh, but it is really really good. Like it's it's very well written. Um, she gets into the weeds on some of the Trump and Russia collusion stuff that has been debunked multiple times at this point um which is which is interesting because it's the atlantic i i suppose they they're gonna go out of their way to not look at the parallels between the 2020 election in belarus and the 2020 election here oh which it's a little more it's a little more outright bullshitty in Belarus. So what had happened in Belarus was a, uh, and, and this just was kind of, uh, I guess kind of coincidental maybe would be the best way to put it. Um, so Belarus had a candidate, uh, Svetlana uh, Toskoyovsky, uh, something like that. I, I'm sure I mispronounced her last name. Um, her husband, they had purchased a house and her husband went to register his property and was denied and had to go through all kinds of bullshit with the Belarus government. And it really pissed him off. <clears throat> so he started a YouTube channel and started documenting all of the insane stuff that goes on with just trying to live your life and have some modicum of freedom in Belarus. The YouTube channel got popular enough that uh, he decided to run for president. He was denied his registration to run for president and then imprisoned because he was he had become too popular with the people and was a legitimate threat. So they put him in prison. He's still in prison to this day. Uh, his wife, on the other hand, decided to take up his cause and she registered to 
run for president in his place. And they thought, oh, this is just some dumb woman. She's not a real threat. So they allowed her to register. Uh, she then went on to carry her husband's popularity and really make a lot of waves uh, with the way she conducted her her campaign and everything else. Uh, like, was having success to the extent that she was receiving death threats against her and her family. <laughs> and, and the people who supported her were also receiving threats. Uh, some pretty wild shady shit the night of the election the night of they the uh the election whatever uh declared (laughs) the results people in belarus declared that the sitting president had won with 80 percent of the vote and then cut off all media cut off the internet everything so, so you can see how, I mean, obviously a lot more like abjectly just on its face corrupt. Uh, so after that happened, this uh, Svetlana had to flee with her. Now she had already sent her kids away because of the death threats. Uh, she fled to Lithuania. And so she is currently uh, receiving asylum from Lithuania and from Belarus. And her husband is still in, in prison in Belarus. So, I mean, it, you should, you should absolutely listen to or read the article just to, just for that part alone. I like the first 20 minutes of it. It covers a lot of that in depth shit is crazy like which that's kind of the way that uh government operates in a lot of these uh more communistic parts of the world like like all of this uh protection of democracy and acting like democracy is some holy thing that needs you know some sacred thing that needs to be saved that's that's how democracy kind of works it's uh the options are limited to what the people who are actually in charge want you to have and in the event that something comes up like I've said this multiple times. I don't think the establishment, and by the establishment, I mean Republicans and Democrats, because they're all, they're they're two sides of the same coin. Uh, I don't think they actually considered Donald Trump a legitimate threat. And their polling data told them going into the election that there was absolutely no way he could win. So they didn't have to fortify anything. They didn't have to come out on election night and declare that Hillary had gotten 80% of the vote and shut down the internet because they didn't think they needed to. They thought it was in the bag. 
in Belarus, they knew it wasn't. They knew what was going on. They saw the popularity of the guy before they put him in prison. And then his wife carried that. And they knew what was going to happen on election night. So they went ahead and they took the necessary steps to ensure that that wouldn't end up happening. So it's a a really interesting story. And I I wanted to to touch on that part of it because, and and the rest of the article is excellent as well. And it looks at China, Venezuela, uh, a bunch of other, a bunch of the countries that the left loves to love it's it's a it's a very interesting article like i said i mean if you can get if you can get past the parts where she goes off on her diatribes about uh orange man bad and you know the evil cheeto and uh russian collusion and all that dumb bullshit it's really really an excellent article uh so highly highly recommend all right so where do we go? Where'd I go? Damn it, I lost my place. See, this is what happens when you start flipping back and forth between screens. Lose my spot. So the idea is now is no more useful now. Applebaum recognizes that the new autocratic alliance has no unifying ideology and that among modern autocrats are people who call themselves communists, nationalists, theocrats, and that no one country leads this group. So we're getting away from the American ideals thing, and this new autocracy is kind of a hodgepodge of a little bit of everybody. Uh, but if you really look at the at, at who she puts in this autocracy and the way it works, I mean, it's very much the communist, socialistic type of uh, governing styles the more for lack of a better way of putting it the more totalitarian type of uh governing which has been in a rampant rise here over the last 20 months no idea why yeah talk of autocracy incorporated implies something different that these countries constitute the same kind of unified front of opposition that democracies face throughout much of the 20th century. Thinking that way might help to rally the West, but it could also blind us to what uh, to the need to cultivate relationships and cut deals with some of those autocrats in order to advance our vital interests and undercut their own efforts to work together more closely than they currently do. Our vital interests and our deepest beliefs are almost never one and the same. Remembering that will be crucial as the world's democracies work to fortify themselves in a dangerous world. Fortify is the new buzzword for the left. That next to last paragraph, though. Thinking that way might help to rally the West, but it could also blind us to the need to cultivate relationships and cut deals with some of those autocrats in order to advance our vital interests and undercut their own efforts to work together more closely than they currently do. So we shouldn't view 
the autocracy as the bad guy. And we shouldn't say that the bad guy is winning because autocracy is spreading. We need to pump the brakes on that. We need to back up. And we need to think about working with these autocrats. We need to think about making it a little bit easier for them to do business with us so that they won't do business with each other. So that they, we can disrupt that through political cooperation. Russia and China, Belarus and Maduro in Venezuela, these are not the enemies. These are not the bad guys. We should be working with them so that we can influence them to be better. Leftists are the battered girlfriend who keeps going back. Because if you look all around the world at what's going on, if you look at Belarus, at Russia, at China, at Venezuela, and she, uh, Ann Applebaum gives a couple other examples and she goes into a lot of detail and, and depth on the whole topic. I, I've actually listened to it a couple times just to, uh, she talks about the Ukraine and kind of the, the turnover that happened there, which that's interesting because the, the turnover that happened in the Ukraine was kind of a similar thing as the Donald Trump thing. So, and, and you know, and that happened around the same time or they're closely thereafter. So like all of these autocracies have figured out that, it's not somebody, you know, it's not somebody establishment. It's not somebody within the system that's coming out and like breaking ranks. You're getting some like populist type figure that gets a whole lot of attention and gets a massive following and makes a big run. And it's from without, from outside of the system is where the opposition is coming. So they saw it happen in the Ukraine. They saw it happen here in the U.S. with Trump. And, and now they need to blame those in any way they can on something other than their own failures. But they have to blame it on you know, the bad guys because they need to paint it in that light that we aren't running our own autocracy. We aren't actually as corrupt as all of these others. When If you go through... Uh, this whole article from the Atlantic and, and you really start to look at it. Like she makes a lot of good connections that tie what's going on in China, what's going on in Russia, what's going on in Venezuela, what's going on in Belarus. She ties a lot of that back to how American politics kind of works. And they never because it's the Atlantic and it wouldn't play to the base properly. They never go after Biden or the 2020 election or what's happened since then. Like they don't go into any of that, but a moderately intelligent thinking person that reads or listens to this can pull that pretty, pretty easily. So that's why you have to have this, uh, the week article that, clarifies and 
takes the takes the pressure off of the autocracy. You have to you have to change the title of the Atlantic article that Ann Applebaum wrote from "The Bad Guys Are Winning" to "Autocracy Is Winning," because the average dumbass doesn't know what autocracy is or means, and they're not even going to open it up to find out because they don't care. If it says the bad guys are winning, the average dumbass is going to be like, oh, who are the bad guys? And they're going to open it up and they're going to see that opening paragraph that talks about the Belarusian 2020 election. And they're, they're, going, to get, they're going to get hooked and want to hear more. But if you take away that, that title and you make it something that nobody gives a shit about, then it, it stymies the message. And then what you're going to end up with are typical Atlantic readers who are extremely progressive, left-wing, you know, super Biden Democrat supporters. And then they're going to start seeing some of the parallels there. So you've got to have this cleanup job by the week that that makes sure to explain why we shouldn't actually consider autocracy as the bad guys. They're people we should be working with. Everything that has been going on over shit, probably most, if not all of my life, is spin job. I mean, that's that's what it is. The... At least for all of my adult life. So from the early 2000s on, we've been getting a steady stream of, of just total spin. Everything is portrayed in the way that it needs to be to tell the story that needs to be told. There are outliers who come and go, but they get trampled down as quickly as possible. Uh, sometimes they do it to themselves, like the Tea Party, which was uh, an interesting movement, but it didn't have the coordination or the steam to maintain itself. Uh, didn't really have a game plan. Or then like the, the Trump wave that had to be, uh, had to be put down. You know, you see the way these things kind of ebb and flow for anybody who actually is paying attention. Uh, so it's, you get a really good picture of that through through this Atlantic article, which is, I love that, uh, that something like that comes from the Atlantic. Like, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess I shouldn't be super surprised. I mean, we did get the Time Magazine article about the whole fortification thing. So maybe they are a little more honest with stuff than what we might give them credit for. But anytime they are, they do it in this like massive, huge, 6,000 word, you know, novella that nobody's actually going to read. Nobody's actually going to spend an hour listening to it, which is, it's the dumbing down of our, of our culture. Um, this week has been the, I'm recording this on Friday for the Monday show because next week is Thanksgiving week and I'm going to be traveling quite a bit. So got to get everything out of the way ahead of time. Um, you know, this week has been the Rittenhouse trial and 
you've seen over the last couple of weeks, all of the what's been going on in the media versus what the actual story is with that whole thing. And now what we've got is three days of deliberation from the jury without giving a, a verdict, because if you weren't already aware, justice is dead <clears throat> and legality means nothing. We are under the rule of the mob. The, the jury doesn't want to give a verdict because the verdict is the most cut and dry and not guilty that you could ever imagine. Never should have gone to trial to begin with. But they also know that if they do go ahead and give a not guilty verdict, that rioting and looting and all of that is going to start back up. And they don't want they don't want to have that on their hands. So here we are. Here we are. This is what democracy gets you. <clears throat> it is mob rule. It is whoever is the loudest and willing to do the most damage wins. Which means we really need to reconsider the non-aggression principle. We really need to reconsider how loud are we willing to be and how much damage are we willing to do to prevent autocracy from winning. Because right now, it is. Everybody have a good have a good week. I don't think I'll actually do a Wednesday episode this week because it is Thanksgiving. Uh, take the day off and don't listen to my voice. Or check me out on Peddling Fiction with Johnny. I think we'll be doing another episode uh, sometime this week. So check that out and have a happy Thanksgiving. I'm hoping if everything works out right, I'm hoping to have a really fun episode for next week. So tune back in, check that out. And in the meantime, have a happy Thanksgiving and I will see you next week.